welcome. Max here from Obstacle Races New Zealand. Uh, what you're about to listen to now is an interview with Maria Bentley, and she was the second place elite female athlete at the first ever ultimate athlete race, um, which took place in Mount Monganui. Uh, she walked away with $1,000 cash for second place. Um, we're going to find out, yeah, who she is, what she's done, all about her. Um, so this, this interview was, it was intended to be released as text um, on the Obstacle Races New Zealand website um, to type it up and release it as a written form. And I'm still planning to do that. I'll release both this audio version and the text version. Uh, but I wanted to release this audio too because it's just easy to get out there. It's quite an interesting conversation. And the idea of doing a podcast actually is something that uh, this has sparked in my head to do um, an Obstacle Races New Zealand podcast because there is, yeah, some interesting people out there in New Zealand OCR to interview, to talk to, and some cool events to talk about and some topics to talk about. Um, so perhaps that'll come in the future. There's a lot to work on from this interview. There's a lot of like dead air and just, uh, you know, basic mistakes, I guess. Um, so, be, so bear with us as we do this uh, unplanned first podcast which may become a podcast one day. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, if we do do it, it might be good to, you know, get a second host maybe besides myself, someone who is, you know, good at talking and can bring in more um, colour to the podcast. And, uh, feel free to get in touch if anyone has any, you know, experience doing podcasts or editing audio or that sort of thing because it's all quite new to me. So for this interview, uh, Maria just jumped straight into talking. Um, I quickly hit record on our conversation we had previously, so it's a bit jarring in the jump in, um, but yeah, give it a listen, see what you think. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that looks like something good and different to do, so I started, well, how am I going to train for it? And I didn't, like, I don't, I'm not a member at a gym anymore, um, I used to do a bit of CrossFit stuff and that kind of thing. Um, but just started going to playgrounds and just adding in a few different bits and places. You, you go for a run, basically it was sort of based at the hospital. So I was run around the lake outside the hospital, which is about just under 4K as a warm-up. And then, I don't know, I'd just go and hang on the monkey bars and climb over, you know, just the kids' playground stuff um, and mimic under and overs and bear crawls and things. And then run again. And it's like, this, it was good because it's when you're just running, it's you tend to get... Um, uh, well, I even get bored, but more that um, I was kind of sick. I've always been getting niggly injuries and stuff, and this was a way to mix it up as well. Um, and then it was, but I didn't enter, and then it was um, postponed until June, and I thought, oh, June's going to be freezing on a race in June on the beach. Um, but actually, it turned out really well because I mean, you got an extra three months training, plus it was actually still really warm. Yeah. It was still really hot on the day. Yeah, we were, yeah, there was no way I probably could have worn a t shirt. I was, I needed water as soon as I crossed that finish line. Yeah, no, it was good fun. Really good fun. No, it's good. I yeah, I wasn't expecting Olivia O'Donnell to be, you know. And that was probably the, actually the biggest thing was, you know, that said, here's this elite race and come, come and do it. Because, you know, the prize money was very attractive. Mm. Um, but you had absolutely no idea who else is doing this, who else is mm. coming along. And so there was a bit of a mix. Um, and then I saw Olivia before the start, and I've known Olivia for years. I was like, oh, bugger, there we go. There goes first. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was still, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
yeah. obviously a lot involved in organizing an event like that too. It was, it was, oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. logistics, phenomenal. I need to ask you a lot more questions about it. Um, so I was thinking what I do for the interview is what I have done in the past a few years ago interviewing people was um, just doing it as a written interview. It's usually, oh, yeah. a, you know, have a conversation and then type it up and just publish yep. it as a written one uh, right. rather, rather than putting out a video or a yep. podcast or anything. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. So I think I'll do that. I think I'll just uh, hit record on our conversation and then just type it up. Yep. Yeah. No um, yeah, so I just ask you about Ultimate Athlete and your experience in that and then ask you some general questions and find out oh. more about you and, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I, was, I was trying to do a little bit of research online, trying to Google your name and couldn't find too much <laughs> on you to learn more about you. Um, but you're, you're a physio, is that right? I am a physio, yep. Um, yeah. Most of my background's been in musculoskeletal private practice um, and... In recent years, because I also started um, doing PhD as well, um, in recent years I moved more into the sort of more functional rehab side of things where um, I'm out in the community with people who are maybe more seriously injured, they've been off work because of a particular injury. Like, for example, they may have been in a car accident and they've got more than one injury and so you're actually seeing them in their home and working with a multidisciplinary team to not just get them back to daily function and then once they're independent again, helping them get back to work. Um, but there's lots of different contracts. Most of them are through ACC um, or private work insurers. Um, you know, the likes of the DHB and Frontera, they are insured under work on, so the contracts come through them as well. Um, but then there's a couple of different ones. There's one at the moment that I'm doing a bit of work on over in Thames. I travel quite a bit as well um, over in Thames with what's called the Hierarchy Trust, which is a... Um, a facility, there's multiple houses um, that uh, are homes to um, people who've had very long-term traumatic brain injuries um, or other intellectual disabilities, and so helping making sure that their mobility um, plans and things are safe and, um, you know, that they're trying to maintain their independence as much as possible as well. So that's been quite interesting. So I've had quite a bit of a mix there. Yeah, and then... Um, so this, yeah, sort of, I've been doing that kind of stuff for, you know, a few years, um, but when I finished PhD uh, 18 months ago or so, um, I managed to get um, a role with the Midland Trauma System doing some research using the trauma registry, um, which looks at, yeah, the major traumas. So if you uh, have an incident of some description, whether it's a car accident, fall off a ladder, break your leg playing rugby, or you fall off an obstacle, an obstacle race and break an ankle, something like that, and you actually end up in hospital and admitted to hospital, um, where there's a registry that collects all kinds of data, um, which um, you can get really, really interesting insights and information on. So, yeah, I had um, a bit of a there, but um, healthcare system is limited with funding, um, and so unfortunately it was just a fixed-term role, but I really enjoyed it, and it was fascinating insight into you know, another side of our health system here in New Zealand, um, which as we know is, is struggling in, in every aspect. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, quite a mix back. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, because I was wondering, um, I guess to ask you about your opinion on it, but uh, I guess before I did obstacle racing, I did um, parkour. Oh, cool. Like, uh, yeah, as a teenager, but just the idea of that being about, you know, multiple movements movements uh, sort of like obstacle racing you know it's running yeah. and climbing crawling um yeah so i've always been quite interested in the idea of like functional fitness and being in a, a natural environment yeah and yeah. the idea of being a generalist and in, in movement 
rather than getting highly specialized and um but is that something in, in your opinion that would could help with I mean injury now I mean certainly now for me I, I did um you know I grew up playing net, netball I've always run it was always a member at an athletics club right from you know when you're four years of age um and netball was really big for me um, during so most of my school years um repeated ankle sprains though so I have actually had both my ankles reconstructed um because they were just loose as a goose um so to speak um but you know they're coming all right now they're not great but you know they do what I need them to do um and then I did get quite competitive with distance running for a while um half marathons in particular and um I think it was the 2009 Wellington half marathon because I lived in Palmerston North at the time back then and um, I trained um, I just followed one training program um, that was by a colleague of mine who's an exercise physiologist um, and ended up winning the Wellington half marathon um, in pretty decent time and um, but I wasn't registered with a club and when um, I crossed the finish line I thought I was just a 10k runner finishing and didn't realize it was me and so there was actually some media in the news they called me the dark horse so I knew who I was but anyway from that obviously that was a success and I carried on to do a bit more but I started just getting injured all the time and the combination was that I sat quite a lot during my day because I was doing some lecturing so I was doing quite a lot of computer stuff and started PhD so sitting a lot during the day doing computer work and then going up and running and I started just getting hamstring tendon problems, you know, the same kind of thing as an Achilles tendon problem. But, um, you know, sitting is really painful. Being in a car is really painful. You know, going out to a cafe, you know, sitting and having a cup of coffee, you, you're just so stiff getting up. And so running was really put on the back burner for a while. And then um, I got into more uh, sort of CrossFit type stuff and just, yeah, functional, functional movement, you know. And when all I did was run, I couldn't squat below 90 degrees. I couldn't even squat to about 70 degrees because my hips and everything was so tight wasn't utilizing my glutes properly because all I did was run um, and got injured um, and then I found once I could move better and actually had some strength and I didn't because I was very light as well at the time um, and actually had built a bit of muscle and you know I wasn't going to fall over in the wind anymore and that was a really empowering quite um, thing as well and certainly from a long-term health perspective when we look at um, the importance of actually having you know if you run you're not really using your arms for much um, but certainly once we get older and, you know, once as particularly as a woman goes through menopause, um, you know, and then you trip and have a fall, you fracture a wrist, you know, you, you, you know, things are going to go backwards for you quite quickly. So um, it's quite important to make sure that you're strong all over and that you function all over and even just little things, you know, and I guess as you get older, you start to think of these things a bit more. And when I'm seeing it with clients that I work with, it's like, have, am I going to have the strength to open up a can or, you know, a tin with my hand, you know, because mm. I've never used them, you know, I've never used any grip strength stuff before. So yeah, functional stuff, it's really important. And again, when I think it was about 2018, I decided to give running a good, crack, you know, a bit of a good crack again, um, distance running and yep, sure enough, you know, tried to follow a plan, but my hamstrings, even though I was still doing strength work for them, they weren't strong enough to tolerate, you know, the loads of a lot of fast stuff. And and then, then of course, that was another year out of running for me. And all I could do was um, to get that fix that I needed um, to be fit and healthy and, um, you know, have a good workout and the adrenaline you get from that um, was stair climbing. And there's a really good set of stairs out here in Ngāti that we, oh, I can tell you how many times I've been on it, but there's just under, I think there's 1,400 odd stairs just straight up. 
Um, and it's in the bush, which is really good mental health wise as well, because you you know you're out in the bush. There's loads of other people out there, at and so I spend a lot of time on that. So I love hills, I love stairs, um, but that didn't aggravate my pain. So that was the hamstring pain, which was great. And then um, when I saw the, the obstacle race advertised, I thought, yeah, I think that's my bag. So I thought I'll get stuck into that. So I always kept up things like push ups and things, other things like that. So I was like, oh, I'm surely I can move things along. And most of the like in um, ultimate athlete most of the obstacles were actually completely fine the only one that really caught me out was the monkey bars <laughs> mm. <laughs> we're still all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah functional absolutely and you know the more you move it you know the better off you, you're going to be because it does you do lose it you do lose your, your capacity to be able to move and all the other effects that that has on you know negative effects that, that can have on um, your health it just goes so quickly yeah mm. And it does still yeah. surprise me the amount of people that just don't move much on a daily basis. Yeah. 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 It's a bit scary. Yeah. Because um, I guess trying to research you, did some Googling and <laughs> found some of your results from the you know, half marathon from yeah. uh, 2009, 2010 sort of period. Yeah. And you had some quite high level results. Um, yeah. So what made you, and then it looked like there wasn't much after that. What made you step back from that? That was the hamstring injuries. Yeah, okay. I literally couldn't yeah. run. Yeah, I literally couldn't run at all. Oh. Yeah, and um, and then also um, I, I was doing PhD. Unfortunately, had a um, you know parted ways with my ex. Moved from Palmerston North. I was over in Tauranga, still running a bit, um, but able to run a bit. But I never got back up to where I was going. I just the hamstrings just couldn't take. This couldn't take it. And I think I just from a mental health point of view, I needed to move on and do something different and yeah. then in the in the the role I then moved on to Auckland um and in the job that the physio job that I was doing up there at the time I had a you know big gym and everything there and I started training um at another gym called Ludus Magnus and it was just a completely different style kind of garage style training you know yeah um which and I just really enjoyed it and you you know because running's very independent you're on your own a lot of the time and this was all you know you're in there with a big group of people getting really sweaty and dirty and um that yeah, it was great fun and stuff that I'd never done before and again all functional stuff and I got you know I really felt quite empowered by it and it was a different kind of um you know I was good at some of the stuff and then really crap at some of the other things particularly like chin-ups and things like that um and I got really involved in that and then um and then I had both ankles reconstructed so I was you know I was out I had you know it was um 2016 I started that I was yeah, six weeks in a cast and then in the, for the left ankle and then at the end of the year I had the other one done as well so um yeah and then I just haven't been in events I uh, haven't done any event yet I haven't actually logged into events and met my partner and he does ultras so I've kind of been um you know doing a lot of training with him and then I'll be a support crew or um you know I'm out there running the last legs with him to you know bring them home for the finish and things like that so I'm still you have always kept you know very fit but just finding different ways to do it okay. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd have it yeah I did try it was about 2018-19 I had a go at you know getting really good running fit again um for half marathons um but hamstrings just yeah they just caught up with me again I'm just like no it's just uh, I'm just over it yeah I'm sick of being injured so yeah I mix things up a lot more now hmm fair enough yeah <laughs> so ultimate athlete was that the first obstacle race you entered yeah um, I think I've done I've done tough guy once before and but just you know just for fun and I think when tough mother first came here I did that just for fun you know with the team um yeah, yeah but this was definitely the first competitive um obstacle race I've done yeah it's mm. good 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you find Ultimate Athlete? I guess you've talked yeah, about well, it. Well, what was really cool was that um, right from the start, they explained exactly what was going to be involved. You know, you've got to run around the base of the mount. Then here's all the, you didn't know exactly kind of how the obstacles work, but you could kind of, you could see where it was going to go. And then mm. you had to run around the base of the mount again. So I knew, well, it's at the end of that, it's still a runner's race. Um, you know, you can't wing it um, running hard around the base of the mount. It's pretty undulating. It's not an easy run. Um, the other good thing was that my mum lives in, um, in Tauranga, so um, it's only an hour and a half from, from here. And I saw that one of the um, obstacles was obviously the jerry can. So fortunately, I actually had a client who was, I was travelling over to Tauranga for work for a bit. So I'd go to the mount. I'd go for a run around the base. Then I'd do sprints up those stairs, um, the first part of the stairs, and then I'd stop and do push-ups, and I'd do five to ten reps of that, which absolutely kills you. Then I'd jog back to the car and go get the jerry can out of the car and then walk the jerry can sort of 500 metres up and down because initially I thought it was on the sand. Please, it wasn't because that would have been really hard because that's not it's not that it's heavy. It's just really awkward. Um, but, you know, I, I, did, I did a lot of that. And... Um, up and down Mount Jury. Actually, there was one session I did where mum came along um, and I piggybacked mum up and down Mount Jury, you know, without letting her go. So I was just, you know, I'd just make it up and go, right, this is a, a sort of about how, and then I'd always finish, sorry, we know this session with another run around the base because that's what was going to be in the race. So I was pretty familiar with the, you know, the terrain and how it was how it was going to work. Um, yeah, so no, it was it was good fun. I do wish that Jerry Cam was five hundred meters long than the race, though, as I trained for that. <laughs> I was, yeah. That was when I was actually confident in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you and I were talking about that over Mr. G yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Like, so, oh, if I'd known they needed one, I would have bought mine. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish it was actually. Um, yeah, because I was involved in the event, um, doing officiating, yeah. and so oh, I sort of got oh. to see some of behind the scenes and talk to the organisers and. Uh, yeah. I know they were definitely planning it to be 500 metres. Um, yeah. And all the sandbags were meant to be heavier as well. Yes, um, I thought it didn't feel yeah. like it was 20 kilos. I mean, not that you're oh, complaining. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what it was on the day. Um, but apparently last minute they ran into problems with the weights. They couldn't get the sandbags, so they had to go lighter. And in the jerry oh, cans, right. they got some, but not, a, not as many as they hoped. Not as they needed, yeah. This goes to show the amount of organisation that's needed, and I'm sure oh. that was learned from it. Yeah. So many but no, it was a fantastic yeah. setup with, um, mm -hmm. you know, you know, having the different distances plus having the, the relay as well. Now, when I finished it, I said, um, I said to my mum, you've got to do this next year. You've got mm -hmm. to do it. She said, oh, no, we hope this. I said, mum, you better do it as a team, you know. If you're going to. I can do the, the my race earlier on, then I can come and join you and help you get over the monkey bus because you love it, you know. So I think it would be a really cool thing for to you know to to grow and promote. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Yeah, because I know Ultimate Athletes hoping to launch a, a national series oh, cool. of events all around the country. Um that'd be awesome. where where did they come from? Like yeah. <laughs> Where did they get all the money? That was the very first thing I thought was where, you know, when you saw the amount of prize money, it's like, I don't know any event that has that kind of prize money. Where did they get, where did they get that from? Because, you know, their first time event, um, how did they get that kind of funding? <laughs> it's the same thing, me being into obstacle racing and talking to others online. Um, like Ultimate Athlete just sort of launched their website. Yeah. And so we, we saw it and everyone was like, how... <laughs> <laughs> Where did these guys come from? And they just launched yeah. massive scale. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I don't know about the money because um, they definitely have a lot of money behind them. And right. prize money is huge, but I don't know where the funding comes from. Um, wow. Obviously, they have funding from somewhere. 
Yeah. Um, I do know that they, from talking to the organizers, I, I do know that they're in it, you know, they want to launch a series and go long term. Um, so their first one did lose money. Um, but I think this one? Yeah, they, they ran oh, it out right. But over the long term plan, they plan to make a profit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, they have, for them, this is their first obstacle race as well. Um, it's, well, the people I talked to was uh, Gavin and, ooh, her name's escaping me, but Gavin and his wife yeah. are the okay. main organizers, and they have a whole team around them as well. Wow. Um, but they have a background in other events, I think. I think okay. Gavin was a triathlete, like a top-level triathlete when he was younger. All right. And, yeah, they. I heard that he was the event manager for, um, it was like the emergency services games. Um, oh, right. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Well, a long, long time ago, when I worked in England, I worked for the London Fire Brigade, and I went as the physio with the Great Britain team to the, the World Firefighter Games, which okay. is cool, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah so and to, sort of, to be involved in something like that, would, yeah, you're not going to be, yeah, you, you're certainly having knowledge around you with that. Yeah, yeah and I, I probably should look up my facts, but I, I know they, they're either linked to or they are involved in doing the, um, like, Bay Dreams and music festivals. and oh, they, okay. they have a background of working in events. They know what they're doing. Right. right. Um, probably have multiple companies or something running at the same time so they can bounce yeah. off the loss or gain or whatever. Okay. I believe so, yeah. And the, the uh, race director of Ultimate Athlete is the race director of um, Ironman as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So they've got, they've brought in a lot of people who know what they're doing. Yeah, that's nice, and, yeah. I don't know where the, the money comes from, though. It's definitely... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Cool to see you can you deal in obstacle racing, though, that someone comes yeah. in and just ups the scale and, um, you know, building good obstacles and putting prize money on the line. Absolutely. And, yeah, I know as they plan to go along in years, they're wanting to, you know, build bigger obstacles, harder obstacles, and that would be cool to see. Yeah. Because even like, where do they store them? Like the inverted wall, and you know, those are you'd have you know you're gonna have to pay to, to store them somewhere, and that's a long term cost as well. These are just all the logistics and stuff. Are, 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 are I tend to come come to the top of my head is like, how are they doing this? Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so much behind. Take a risk, I guess. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy to see. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know what the prize money is going to be for the, the rest of the Ultimate Athletes events. I don't know mm. if they're going to keep it at that same, that same level or not. Or that the high the first event was just higher. Um, but is that something that you would potentially go? I mean, if they did... Do another one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. The, the podium. Yeah, because it's also good to, like, when, I guess when you do enter event, we enter event it does give you you know you're accountable to your training then so it does give you something a to look forward to and b to you know it's it's something to work towards yeah which is rather than just coasting along which you probably have been doing for a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah did you do any penalty loops do i do any what sorry any penalty loops oh yes yeah i came off the monkey bars yeah uh, the night the day before um when we arrived we went and had a look at um you know when they were setting up the obstacles and like i practice on the kids playground monkey bars but you know they're very short and the, the rungs are close together and when i saw that one all i went was 
oh, <laughs> I'm not going to get across that, especially if you've got like slippery hands or anything. Um, but I did give it an honest attempt and I got across the first low, the low bit, and then it went up. And I was like, oh, I came off. And I thought, I'm just not going to waste my time. Um, here's the penalty I'll run on. And fortunately, the penalty loop was pretty, yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, it was just front around the sand helping a lot of it was all right. But it did get, that's where it was actually getting quite exciting from a, Exciting from the spectators, I guess, because we ran around the base, so ran around the base of the mound, and right from the start, and so I'm not going to sprint on the stand at the start because that's just dumb. I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I'm not going to go out below the gate. Um, but reasonably confident in my running abilities, and of course, everyone just stormed off. And I think after that sort of settling period, I was in around, I think maybe six, and I just, you know, it was what it was. But then by the time we got to the you know, I didn't change my pace or change my effort at all. Um, but by the time we got to the end of the mount, I was in, in the around the around for the first time. I was in third, and then caught up to um, I forgot her name, the, the little English girl. I think she was um, in coast. I think she was coast to coast. Um, caught up to her and then passed her, and then I did gain on her, which was great. But I didn't know how far. Um, but Bevan, my partner, and I had friends out there were screaming at me that, you know, I knew Lydia had come off the monkey bars as well. Um, but they said that this girl that was in third, she didn't come off the monkey bars. So that meant she she didn't have to do a penalty loop. Um, and so I'd gotten far enough ahead of her, but when we finished, and when we finished the penalty loop, I was still ahead of her, but she was only about 12 seconds behind. You know, we are you are we're buggered by then so now you're gonna run around the mountain again and that's hard you know um and I was like oh no she's gonna catch you know is she gonna catch me or not but, but I didn't know I didn't know how good a runner she was or or not and or what she had left I thought well hey if I've gained that much and if I did catch her towards you know and was gaining on her anyway hopefully I'm gonna hold it off unfortunately I did I think I finished about a minute ahead of her but that's where it did get exciting because she didn't have to do a penalty look so there was a little bit going oh no I want to stay in front of her so yeah nice. but yeah I didn't, I didn't see her so it was all right <laughs> I did look back though a couple of times during the run around the base yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah no that was the yeah, was all right yeah because uh compared to because I think I've looked up Oh, we literally just booked yesterday flights down to Queenstown for the Alpha Challenge, and we're going to stay down for 10 days down there, which will be great. And, yeah, um, yeah so it'll be great. It'll, that, that event, again, looks more, when they say, compared to, say, Spartan, it looks more accessible, you know, because you can see you can see what they're doing. They look like they're easy to contact and all the rest of it. And some, the obstacles, some of the obstacles look similar, but then there's lots of different ones, some that look similar to Spartan as well. Mm. Um, and But they've got the 30 burpee challenge, so I'm like, right, well, I'm going to have to just keep working on burpees because I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure I'll fail at least one of them. And that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Alpha Challenge looks good. Yeah, because uh, that'll be the second year, isn't it, I think, this year? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be down there as well. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, cool. I mean, Wanaka yeah. in December. Who wouldn't want to go? Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit more appealing. It'll be amazing down there. Yeah. Um, yeah it's good, to, good to hear your thoughts stay. on... Oh, sorry. It's good to hear you talking about the, you know, that you and the top three and the, and the, the wristband and the penalty loop. Yeah. Um, the tactics that brings in. and um, Because, yeah, part of my role officiating yeah. was... I um, helped Ultimate Athlete develop the rule system. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was fascinating because comparing it to the other main rule set for obstacle racing, which is yeah. the Spartan style of yes. burpees, um, Spartan uses it, and then a lot of races copy it, like Alpha Challenge and um, 
There's also some others down south. There's a uh, uh, Waverua Warrior. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I think Wanaka Dash may do it as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, but talking to Ultimate Athlete, we were trying to talk them, you know, they could use this rule system, but the idea of the wristbands and the penalty loops is what is used by the International Federation. Right. Just developing internationally and they're trying to yeah. create right. the sport. Um, but it's interesting, but that's, uh, so I've never seen the, the rule system in action before. <laughs> but oh, just hearing, right. well, hearing feedback from some of the people internationally who have seen it, that's what they were saying was that it does create more options for the athletes because you have the, yeah. whereas the, the burpees aren't visible. You you fail an obstacle, you do the burpees. But then if an, an athlete sees you afterwards, they don't know that you've done yeah. it. Whereas having the wristbands on, you can, it brings in a layer of strategy where you can, uh, yeah, and it did. I've got one wristband. I definitely wasn't going to waste my time. And I did say right from the start, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time trying to do the monkey bars. You know, if I come off once, I'm not going to waste my time going back and try it again. Um, here's the band, I'm off. Um, yeah, and just yeah, take the risk because I, I'd be there for hours. <laughs> I'd probably still wouldn't get it. And, you know, if you're, you're puffing anyway and you don't want your heart rate to drop too much and if you've got sweaty hands. And if you've never done it before, in a race probably isn't the time to, to, to try it. Um, and then, yeah, so the bands were good. Um, yeah, I'd say the penalty, it, it wasn't that hard. I don't know how long it probably or how far or how long it took us, but, you know, it was fortunately it was enough for me to still stay ahead of third. Um, the one thing, though, that um, my mum mentioned when we got home, because it had all these bands, is like, are they recyclable? <laughs> were those bands were those bands recyclable? Because you know, there's thousands of them. Um, where were they? Where were they going? Because I don't keep them. <laughs> I didn't keep them. They kind of went in. Um, yeah, they kind of went in. You know, the bin, which we kind of oh shit. But yeah, so that was one thought. So what do you do with them all? So it could be, or, or are they, we say recyclable, so use them this year at the end, give them all back to the organisers so they can wash them or whatever and can use them again next year or for the next event. So you're mm. not creating new ones all the time. That would be, that would be really good. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if they're recyclable because they probably yeah. would have went through hundreds or thousands, thousands. of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you actually had three each, yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely think that would have been something to, um, yeah, to consider. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, they'll, I you know, they're comfortable enough. They didn't get caught on anything. I don't yeah. know. What about the, um, you know, those like tough, uh, papery plastic oh, yeah. ones? I don't know yeah. if those are recyclable either. Yeah. Um, but again, rules perspective. Oh, that's what the yeah. International Federation... We were given one of those and they put them yeah. on, but there was never any... Um, but they were, we were never checked, are you wearing it? Or so I don't quite know what the purpose of that was. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I yeah, fully won't work. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if those are recyclable though. Because I know yeah, bringing they, in the rules. They're kind of waxy from, over the top, aren't they? Yeah. They might not be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one thing they do for um for the trail running events and stuff they do now is that uh, that you, there's no paper cups at the aid stations. You've either, well, most of the time you'll have your hydration pack with your bladder or you'll have your, your bottles at the front, um, but otherwise you've got to bring your own disposable. There's no, it's just, just from a you know, recycling type thing, there's no disposable um, cups there. So that's, that's a cool thing. Mm. There's lots of other rubbish, but, you know, it's one thing at least they can reduce, reduce down. Mm. Yeah, I've been entering some of the exteriors in Wellington myself, oh, the, the trail runs, but um, yeah. yeah, they're quite heavily into that. They they have um, yeah, reusable cups you can buy and they 
every, they like they ask for your bib back if you don't want to keep it and they they can recycle yeah. them apparently and, yeah yeah um, that's right yeah interesting talking about that because i was thinking from a rules perspective the i know the wristband system the international rules they recommend having those um i don't know what you call them but those papery waxy ones and because oh, there has been some yeah. problems internationally of athletes taking a wristband off, you know, putting it in their pocket, <laughs> coming up to an oh, office. Oh, cheating. Yeah, yeah cheating. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Being like, oh, I lost all my bands. You can't take one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's my band. I actually want to do a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those those waxy ones that, you know, you can't remove it during the race. Yeah. Um, but, it's, yeah, it brings in the sustainability perspective. Yeah, that's right. Well, because there's another I never one about they... as well. Another one they do it um, must be the Taupo Half Ironman, I think. Um, the run is three laps, three seven k laps, and so every time you go through one lap, you put the band on. You know, you're given a band. You know, so it's like a hair tie. It's like a big bubbly hair tie. It's light. It's like a big bubbly hair tie thing. And then, so the first lap it might be pink. Second lap it might be green, so that you know if you've got the last one, which is blue or whatever, you know that you're coming into the finish. Um, so those are other options as well, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. See if it changes going forward. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What else did I write down on the questions? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, entering Alpha Challenges. Wanted to ask you about that, and you mentioned that in, yeah. in Spartan. I know you're playing to uh, Yeah, so I haven't I haven't entered either yet, but now that we've booked for Queenstown, I'll definitely enter um definitely enter Alpha Challenge. That one does look fun, and I have um been sort of looking up on the internet like some of the obstacles that are there and in Spartan, you know, the, the education clips that they have on them and sort of thinking, oh, how they do that because there's a you know, there's this well, certainly the Spartan ones look very hard <laughs> um and yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm gonna end up doing like three thousand burpees or something like that sorry what was that the monkey bars at spartan are hard because uh they don't go up and down like ultimate athlete um yeah. but the bars are thicker they'll, oh I don't know, okay i don't yeah. know if they are scaffolding bars or they're closer to that thickness so they yeah it's really hard on the grip strength yeah if you're not used to it right and then there's the difference <laughs> if things are powder if the, if the bar's powder coated or not like in a in a gym that might be powder coated or not so um yeah it's a worry and then the ones that are um they're kind of like oh they're kind of like little hand or that one that turns oh there's like three things is it called the grinder i think it is and you've got to you don't do this. You don't do it from a you know a, a long hand position. Be here to do it going across the line. <laughs> yeah, I never tried that one. Like, how do you practice that? Where do you go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have buildings to jump off. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't entered Spartan yet, and I'm um, you know just I, I would say maybe a because of the um, you know they've already postponed twice now. Um, 
and it's now moved to November, and there is actually an event, um, a trail run in Hawke's Bay, Kate Kidnapper's um, trail event the weekend after, and my dad's in Hawke's Bay, and I haven't seen him for a long time, so we're actually thinking about going down and doing that instead, um, plus, you know, um, A, it's an event we haven't done, it's a way to catch up with dad, so we might actually end up going, going and doing that instead, and then just focus on Alpha, and then at least Alpha, I know, will probably be harder than Ultimate Athlete. I, th- I, it lo- I think it's I think it's 12k's as well so that's fine um and um it looks harder so yeah maybe I'm not quite ready for Spartan yet <laughs> maybe next year we'll just have mm. to yeah we'll see yeah yeah it's, it's a bit of a shame with the date changes and yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it's just yeah just finding out enough about like who else is going you know the unknowns I go maybe it's just a bit of anxiety or something yeah but no, yeah, I think Alpha Challenge looks really good because it looks like a really good community-based one as well. Yeah, I think so. You know, rather than this big, massive global chain. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, from what I understand, Alpha Challenge is the, the people behind it have gone over to um, Australia and Hawaii and they've done Spartans there. So they yeah. Alpha yeah. Challenge is sort of based on their experiences of seeing what Spartans done and it's great bring it to a new zealand context and yeah i think quite community cool. focused like you were saying yeah 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 i think that's good i think i, I think i also read somewhere that they've done it because because you know covid happened and we couldn't get out and do these trips so let's build it at home yeah that should be good fingers crossed the weather will be good too yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Certainly makes it like there's a bit of mud and swamp work to do there as well, which would be good. They can probably last town. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've actually done a couple of, um, just for something different to do, um, a couple of orienteering events lately. We did um, just with the Waikato Bay Plenty, uh, Waikato group here. There were two row games um, that we had to go at, and then just the other week we went over to Rotorua for a, a six hour one. Um, it was all through the Redwoods, which was great. You know, you've got to read the topo map and just me and Bevan did it together. And um, it's sort of as a team, you have your compass. So, what well, you know, you're confident with covering the distance or whatever, but the whole map reading, that's a totally different ball game. And we were, we decidedly average at it. We, <laughs> on the, the London Road Aurora, in six hours, we covered 30 kilometres, which is cool. Yeah, it's fine. When you go back on our watches and see how much of that was actually moving time, two hours 50. So that meant we spent three hours, 10 minutes trying to figure out what we were doing and where we were going. Um, and there were a total of 60, I forget what they're called, markers that you got to go and, you know, swipe to say you've been there and you got to plan your route to try and get as many as you can. And we managed to get 16 out of 60 <laughs> and yet still covered 30 kilometres. Oh. Most people that got, far more markers than we did they still only covered at only about 30 kilometers so we were obviously going in all different directions yeah. Not really yeah and that's probably the trend as well because the market you know it's not like they're on trails well you might be following a trail the marker won't be it'll be down in a gully somewhere and you've literally just got to go bush to get it and try and find it um and then follow a little creek all the way up and then climbing up through you know those horrible vines getting all through them so that's been quite fun. well different it's been fun it's just a good way to get time on your feet and just be outdoors all day and in the bush so um yeah but yeah we're not very good at it. <laughs> yeah, good fun though it is it is it is it's every click they had lots of animals quite good the last um the one in the one in Rotorua was it's held every year 
And they had, so they had two options. They had a three-hour and a six-hour event for the running one, but they had mountain biking one as, one as well, so three and a six-hour mountain bike. They had over 700 people there, and for every person that had, you know, registered, um, they put $2 towards the um, first-line emergency response. So that was cool. It was good. Yeah, it's nice to see things like that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, that's all my questions, I guess, obstacle racing. But, yeah, it'd be good if you want to, I mean, it sounds like you've done lots of races and outdoor yeah. activities. And I mean, if you just want to talk yeah, about anything love... else you've entered, and I don't really yeah. know what to ask you about it because I don't know what you've done, but it sounds like you've got some cool experiences. Yeah, we love, uh, I just, yeah, love, I think mentally it's great. I mean, you, you only get one life, don't you? So you want to explore, and I want to be able to explore as much as you can. Um, the mount, just getting out, you know, hiking the mountains, being up, you know, just seeing it is awesome. So last, we went to Nepal. Oh, I went, no, actually, the first one I went to, um, going up to high altitude, I went to Peru in 2015, I think it was, on my own. Um, it was before I'd met Bevan, and um, I was living in Auckland at the time, but I went to Peru and did, you know, mountain hiking um, through what's called the Waiwash region, where it was about 10 days, you're tenting, 10 days, um, there's no shower, you don't have a shower for 10 days. <laughs> um, it's a lot of wet wipes <laughs> um, and tenting. And it was over a region where there were ten, about, about 10 or so mountains that are over 6,000 metres high, which are obviously a lot higher than what we have here. And we, did, we weren't summiting them, but, you know, you were going in and around all those passes. So you were getting up very high. Um, and I did develop altitude sickness. And so you're overcoming that battle as well. Um, because I can tell you that the headaches with altitude sickness are just insane. They're just the, they're horrendous. Um, but that was great. You know, all, what are you doing all day? All you do is you you're, you get up in the morning and it's freezing cold, but that's all right. You know, you're, you're in your hiking gear, you have a feed, you pack up your tent, you put your bag on and you walk and that's your day. That's it. And then you're just stopping and looking at everything along the way. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, and then, so I did that. And then, um, you know, we went to Nepal in 2018. So in Peru, I think I, we got up as high as, I think it was about 5,200 metres, um, which is about the height of base camp in, in, in Everest. At, at, um, yeah, at Everest. Um, so Nepal, obviously, I wanted to go higher than that. Um, but it's also at the same time, we didn't want to go to base camp Everest because it's really commercialized. It's really busy. Um, I think it's been abused um, quite a bit. So um, we did some research and found another area and another peak called Mira Peak, where you still fly into the crazy little um, the crazy little airport, which is a very, very, very short runway. And if I get that wrong, I just go straight to a brick wall. Um, I think the, the runway is only about 200 meters long. It's really short. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> And that's Lukla, and um, obviously Siri and Hillary um, was instrumental in getting that airport up and running. And so you, you land in Lukla, and if you're going to go to base camp Everest, you go left, but we went right and went to Mero Peak. And so we were there for the whole trip, that whole trip I think was about two weeks, and it probably took us, I think it took us about nine days to go from Lukla, which was at about mm, 2,000, 2,800 metres elevation, I think. And then you, obviously you've got to really gradually do it. So I think it took us about nine days to get up to 5,000. Um, unfortunately, I did get altitude sickness again, um, but managed to sort of 
on the way, uh, but managed to dampen it down. You get pretty anxious after being sick with altitude sickness, though, but at the same time, you don't want to go home either. You want to keep going. Um, and so there you're in um, uh, the, the tea huts. We stand tea huts along the way, which are just made of brick. It's a, um, a, they are, what kind of tends to happen as a family, because they're permanent structures, um, but it's not all year round because it's the monsoon season. So the people of Nepal, they'll, um, it might be a family, it might be husband and wife, it might be sisters, or they'll be in those tea huts for the whole season um, and then they go home. Um, so like our guide, for example, you know, he's taking us, you know, all through the season. So he's away from his family that whole sort of six months of the year. But then for the next six months of the year, he's home with his family and he doesn't need to work because he's already kind of done his bit. Um, so yeah, so the tea hats and the food is, um, it's very bland, um, but you don't care. You have a lot of rice, a lot of sort of salty, watery, soupy type things. Um, and the Nepalese food is dal bat, which is like a, a, lentil, um, a lentil mix. So mm. um, yeah, as long as it's hot, um, and there was enough energy, you, you were stoked with whatever you could have to eat, but you certainly didn't get any protein and you, there wasn't many vegetables. So by the time you got home, you're pretty malnourished. Um, so those are all things to consider um, and try and prep for before and afterwards as well. And um, anyway, so then, yeah, um, I think we got, we got up to, once we got to 5,000 metres, that's the last time you're in a, in a tea hut. And after that, you go up to the camps um, when you're in the tent. Um, so the first, the base camp, the first base camp was at 5,400 metres, I think. So that was fine, got there, no problems. And then the next day we were on the snow and it's just stunning. You're, we're walking up this, walking up this sort of, it probably wasn't that steep, but when you're at five that high, just taking 20 steps, you, 20 slow walking steps, you just have to stop and rest. You cannot keep going. You literally, like... I'm going to do 25 steps, see if I can do 25 and you get to 20 and you just stop. You have to stop and reset and go again. And that's how it goes all day for like six hours, just up this, this slope. Um, and so, yeah, that's really fascinating. And yet still the whole time you've got these massive mountains, no matter how high you go, these mountains still higher than you. Um, so, the, yeah, the scenery is just stunning. Um, and then in a tent, and unfortunately at the high camp, I got very, very sick. So um, they were going to take me down, but, you know, it had taken us that long to get here and Bevan was still okay. So it got quite emotional um, because the, the pain's horrendous and there was, you know, nothing else we could do. And I said, just give me one hour. Please just give me one hour. And if I'm no good, if I'm still no better in an hour, then, um, then we'll go down. Um, and the guy said, all right, but you must have some garlic soup. So different regions have, you know, we, t we will take a pill called Diamox, which is a diuretic, which is supposed to help with altitude sickness. <sighs> Whether it did, I don't know if it did or not. Maybe it would have been worse if I hadn't taken it. Um, but in Peru, they'll chew on the coca leaf. Um, or have coca tea and in, in, in Nepal it's garlic um, so they made a, gave me a cup of garlic soup which was literally I probably had about three bowls of garlic and it's the most disgusting thing you've ever tasted yeah. Yeah. and of course the headache's so bad you can't handle light you can't sit up on your own so I've got Bevan behind me propping me up just so that we could try and get the soup down there it was horrendous um, but fortunately, anyway, the pain did sort of settle just a tiny bit, so we didn't have to go down, but um, I had to stay at the high camp. I wasn't allowed to, to go up to the summit, but we even got onto the summit, um, which was at 6,400 metres, and that was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, love to go back and try it again. I've got a few ideas which will hopefully help me not get 
um, our shoes at Miss the next time around. But yeah, it's just a fantastic experience. Fantastic. Really cool. And you meet cool people. And yeah, it's just yeah, really cool. <laughs> Love that stuff. So we're limited, um, obviously can't do it, you know. Um, yeah, can't do that at the moment because we're stuck here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. So yes, yeah, so and we'll we go down to went to Arthur's Pass over Christmas and did um Avalanche Peaks, a great day trip, right out of Arthur's Pass. You know, Kia at the top there. It's just a good day climb. It's tough, but it's a good day climb. Um, and we did Mount Cloudsley and Mount, Mount Ennis. That was a big day. Um and then, yeah, when we get, go down to one for this time, like, love to do Mount Difficulty. Um, there is a race where they climb, race up that, but it's in June or July. I don't really want to go up a mountain in Southland in June or July. It's too cold um, or horrendous weather. And then there's Mount Mueller Hut and Mount Oliver up in the Auraki, Mount Cook region, which I'd really like to get up to. So it's a cool new hut there. So we'll try and get that done. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sounds awesome. I don't. Yeah, one day I got to do something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. No, I just just pat the kids on your back. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you try and get outdoors with the kids, but no, it's definitely something on my bucket list is to oh, cool. try and explore. Yeah. I used to live in New Zealand, explore just New Zealand mountains. Yeah, and ocean. there is a lot. And the I diversity. Yeah, the diversity North Island compared to the South Islands and just incredible too you know the mountains of the south are just well they don't even compare to the likes of rural Pehu or Tokoro they're just completely different yeah uh, we're pretty lucky here yeah absolutely yeah because yeah, my um my wife's American and oh cool we might we might end up moving over there one day but I feel like yeah living in New Zealand I haven't explored all these like doing the great walks would be nice and going to some mountains and I just yeah feel like I'm not taking full advantage of all these uh, uh, natural just yeah we have and well yeah, yeah and that and, and that that is it and um, i think it's just great for mental health as well just being out in the bush mm. you know you say you go for a run you know like last night it was just being out to friday so just a run around the river paths here but you know yep it's good feel better um but if that same run had been in the bush i'd be feeling even you know even better as well and that's actually something i do with my um my clients because you know People are off injured, or there's always other stuff going on in their life, and the whole mental side of things is a, is a, is a big thing. And so, to get them consistent with the exercise, you know, it's very rarely now that I'll, if they need functional rehab, that I'll actually put them in the gym. We'll go to the lake and we'll walk around the lake. But look, there's a park bench. I can show you how to do modified push ups or squats on and off a park bench. Um, and there's, there's just loads of different things you can do. There was actually what I did uh, with one client, actually, there's a permanent. Um, um, orienteering course at the, the Hamilton Gardens here and at, at, at the lake. So what we did is we printed off the map and we had to go and find these permanent maps. You know, it's reasonably easy if you can't find them. Um, but they've all got different numbers and they're not in a logical order. And I said, right, so we've arrived at number 18. So that means we've got to do 18 squats, you know. And so you just mix it up that way. So rather than just walking and finding these things, it's like, right, and that number is telling you now because we get many push-ups. So you just, you're using your natural environment. And you don't, you know, you don't, and, and showing people you don't need a gym. As long as you find something that's consistent, um, that, that you can do that's easy. You can just put your shoes on, go out the door, or you're exploring a new area. Because um, there's loads of, you know, different dock walks or um, waterfalls to go and see. Um, and then, of course, we need the other thing, like um, on Thursday, what I did was, um, I was running a bit short on time. There's a couple of very steep streets here, probably not like steep ones in Wellington, but 
Did a 4K easy run and then um, it's about 250 meter long street, steep, steep street. This gets steeper and steeper. So you run hard up that, do 12 push ups at the top, jog back down, repeat that five times, and then jog a couple of Ks on to the other steep street and did the same thing. You screwed at the end of it and then you get home and you feel great because you've done a hard workout. But it was functional and I got a lot done and with, with nothing, just you know, just the ground. It was someone's driveway. I stopped and did the push-ups on. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think in modern life, you know, everyone gets so caught up in the latest uh, gadget yeah. and equipment and yes. they think they need the gym and the, you know, all the specialised training equipment. And uh, yeah. for me, it's like, a, you know, humans have been around thousands or tens of thousands or whatever it is, years on earth. And, yes, and we didn't need them um, in. Exactly. Yeah. We didn't have all this yeah. modern equipment, yeah. um, but we sort of lost it today. We sort of lost that idea that you could just go out outdoors and yeah. run up a mountain, I don't know, do pull-ups exactly. on a tree. And, yeah. And so, yeah. And so, exactly. Climb a tree. You just don't fall out of the tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think it, it, it's good when you can show people that. And then of course, if I, you know, I might've finished with the client then they'll text me and say, Hey, I just went and did this. And I'm like, yeah, that's sweet. That's so pleased you did that. Especially if it was raining. It's like, yeah, well, you're going to mm. be sweaty anyway. So yeah. yeah, that's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, um, yeah, I did, I used to know someone who you know, I ran tough mudder with him and tough guy and gal and cause he works in, um, don't quite know what his position was, but he says he works on the mainstream health system, like for the, the DHBs or the hospital. Oh. He's quite like, I think he said there's only a handful of them in the country um, where they, it's preventative health. So uh -huh. they're bringing in alternative views into the system. So he was quite interested in obstacle oh. racing and the idea that getting some clients involved in obstacle races where it's it's functional, it's, it's outdoors. Um, and he was interested in, particularly in the mental health aspect where Oh, you know, you're outdoors, you're in the sunshine, the elements, and um, yep. you're doing something hard. <laughs> you're doing something uncomfortable. Yeah, that's uh, right. Oh, and that, once you do actually, it, you get that awesome Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that's another thing yeah. is actually, um, well, exercise is medicine. I mean, it's just yeah. in fact we know it is, but for all sorts of different conditions. But I think another thing is that, you know, people, you know, you see us, you know, and they say, oh, I'm not going to do it, say, ultimately example oh I can't do that it's way too hard it's like it's only as hard as you put as you will allow yourself to push you know if I walked around the mount instead mm -hmm. of ran hard around the mount it would have been loads easier it would have taken a lot longer um but it's a it's teaching people that you yes when you push yourself you do need to push yourself and it does hurt it's painful you know but that's how the body adapts you've got to push it through a bit of pain you know, the right kind of pain in order for the body to adapt and therefore get better, so whether it be stronger or better cardiovascular or, or whatever. Um, but people, I just don't think people understand that. And then the other barriers, things like, um, for example, when I was working at the hospital, not there now, it, it's only five k's away and parking's impossible at the hospital. So I'm not going to drive and pay to park at the hospital anyway. Um, so I bike. Um, and fortunately, I was in a role where, well, I was doing research, so I was kind of behind the computer, but the 5K, 5K bike to work, I'm just sort of cruising, but um, loads of people won't do it because, oh, I'll get sweaty and there's nowhere to have a shower. It's like, who cares if you're sweaty? You're sitting behind a computer. You'll be fine. I don't care. And, um, you know, oh, but you know, I can't bring, I'll have to pick a bag with extra shoes or whatever. I'm like, 
so what's that why is that a pro you know things like that are real barriers for people and then of course the other thing was um, people are literally just too scared to ride on the roads and I can kind of understand that a bit more but um yeah people's yeah resist resistance to move and resistance to or just more that they're just not aware that yeah it's actually okay to push hard and breathe hard and so then I'll demonstrate I don't know I'll just be in the office and I'll you know bang out 30 burpees or something just to show them and just and then they look at me and go I just don't want to do that it looks painful it's like yeah but I need to eat twice as much as you do <laughs> that's the good thing about it <laughs> not worry because I've expended it but yeah I think there's teaching that side of um teaching that side of the importance of exercise actually you do have to push yourself a bit you know puffing is okay it's a good thing um and yeah, your lungs are screaming at you, but it's only temporary and um, it means the next time you do it, it's probably going to be a bit easier or you'll get up there a bit faster or you may be able to do a couple more reps. Yeah, I think there's a big learning thing there for most of the population too, but that's just my observation. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree 100%. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, thank you. got my kids banging on the door, so... <laughs> I should probably head off, but um. No, no. Yeah, thanks for chatting. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, and so it'd be cool to get the, you know, get the sport growing. Even if like something like having um, you know, putting much like a training weekend or something. I mean, because from you know my background as well as your training aside, I was you know I was creating my own stuff and I'm, um, you know, prescribing exercise and well, not 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 so much planned, but prescribing ideas of you know how people can can move and and mm. with movement patterns and stuff so yeah you know, we can to be involved in you know helping grow the sport if there's things that are going ahead yeah it's still yeah. quite small in new zealand i mean i'd love to see it grow um, yeah. it's getting there Get the Olympics. So, yeah <laughs> it, that's hopefully the goal one oh that's that's the thing with the ultimate athlete as well is so yeah just trying to get in the olympics globally <laughs> Um, the Spartan race was trying to do it. Um, oh, right. the, the creator of Spartan race, one of his, um, you know, life missions is to get it in the Olympics. Oh, wow. <laughs> but they quickly oh. realized that Spartan couldn't be in the Olympics. Um, no. cause it's a, a brand. It's, it's, it's a brand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he helped set up the, uh, world obstacle, which is the international federation oh. now trying to get in the Olympics. And, and to be honest, it may be like a 50 year sort of journey, like it may not be anything soon or, or it could be, that was, that it could was be <laughs> yeah there's no way to know um but yeah but they so the olympics would take the international federation rules and use that um so oh. for ultimate athlete we're using that rules already so it's pretty cool oh, to see crazy. that yeah in new zealand the um bringing in that potential olympic rule set into yeah. the new zealand context oh. is it's cool and hopefully if people want to experience that they can <laughs> try it yeah. out at ultimate effort yeah, yeah. yeah.